Greetings family. Today's episode we have Eric Osborne. He's the founder of Michael Meditations. I just recently heard about Eric through some articles while doing some research online and I was fascinated to know that there was somebody like him doing the work he's doing which you will hear all about during the interview but he works with the magic mushrooms with psilocybin with cubensis in his retreat center in Jamaica for me mushrooms as I've mentioned before have always been a, a beautiful tool from the gods in Mexico where I'm originally from it's it appears in many many cultures and it also was the catalyst for huge transformation of very influential people such as Timothy Larry Ramdas they say even Walt Disney tried the Mazatec with Maria Sabina the Beatles people from all over the world used to fly to Mexico and still do to try Mexican grown mushrooms with the energy of Mother Gaia. Uh, at the beginning of my journey with psychedelics, mushrooms were the ones that opened that extra door the, or that or that took away the veils of conditioning of this matrix of Maya, the illusion of Maya. That's why seeing Eric's work and listening to his story, which is not short of creating a to create a, um, a film because it's 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 one of those stories of only in America but um yeah working with mushrooms it's it's so beautiful and it definitely changed my life so I'm hoping that for some of you listening to this podcast you might hear or feel if this is the right calling for you because mushrooms honestly are one of the best tools we can access in this earthly world what i like also about eric is that he is bringing away this taboo feeling when working with sacred medicines like mushrooms this is not the time to be ashamed of what we do, who we are, and what our true gifts are. It's a moment to step up, to show our gifts, to to embody that who we are and take the high road. And his story is a clear example of determination and not giving up and pursuing his gift and the gift of being able to help others. This is Urban Awakening, and I'm your host, Jose Reynoso. Today's guest is Eric Osborne. He's uh, the founder of Michael Meditations, a legal psilocybin um, re- uh, retreat center in Jamaica. Uh, he's also part of Pledge Inc., which is a non-profit uh, for psychedelic advocacy. And he's also host of the Psilocybin Chronicles podcast. Uh, welcome, Eric. Uh, thank you, Jose. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so, um, I'm, so currently you're in Jamaica, right? Uh, I am. Yeah. How's, how's life in Jamaica? Oh, I love Jamaica. I've always loved Jamaica. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Um, so you chose uh, Jamaica because it's one of the few countries in the world where you can do what you do without uh, any uh, legal uh, resp uh, like issues, I guess. Well, actually, I didn't really choose Jamaica. I've been, I've been coming to Jamaica uh, as a lover of the culture for about 15 years. And about 10 years in, uh, while I was doing psilocybin work in the States, uh, clandestinely, mm -hmm. uh, I just realized one night when I was working in my lab that uh, psilocybin was legal in Jamaica. And I'd always had this desire to kind of help psilocybin have the respectability that ayahuasca has. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just, I just really kind of took it upon myself to try and establish a center where people could come and use psilocybin in a very directed manner uh, for their own personal growth rather than some kind of recreational experience as most of the psilocybin use in the States has mm -hmm. been for the last 30 or 40 years. Mm -hmm. Okay, beautiful. Uh, why don't we go to the, to the beginning? When was your first uh, mushroom trip? first mushroom trip, I was 19 years old. Um, I had consumed LSD for the first time about two weeks prior to that. Oh, wow. And my, my friends that gave me LSD, saw, seeing my response, how much I enjoyed LSD, they said, you're going to love mushrooms. And I'd always had kind of this fascination with fungi, uh, just from a mycological uh, perspective. And when I eight mushrooms for the first time it just reinforced that love of mushrooms and helped me understand how powerful psilocybin was mainly at that point it was from a creative sense uh, the first night that i ate mushrooms i ended up getting my paints and i was sculpting stuff out did a bunch of clay sculptures and mm -hmm. did some paint, painting and it it actually immediately i explored this new painting style while under the influence of psilocybin and it it altered way that I painted from there on out. Oh, wow. So it, yeah, it had, a, it had a pretty major impact on uh, my creative expressions from go. And then after I did, I fell in love. I just, I just it, it was like I came home, you know, the first mm -hmm. time. I was just, this is where I belong. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I kept, you know, I kept working with psilocybin on a semi-wreck. Actually, the first, <laughs> the mm -hmm. first time I ate mushrooms, I had, a, I had a bag of mushrooms. I ate mushrooms the first night, fell in love. Woke up the next day, ate mushrooms again. Well, just like, you have to sit. The third day, I ate mushrooms again. And I got sick as hell and was like, yeah, maybe I should not. I should pace myself here. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down a bit. Yeah, um, yeah. So since you mentioned LSD and you had them, uh, you had both uh, first encounters pretty close together. What would you say is the biggest uh, difference of, uh, between LSD and, and mushrooms? That's a really good question. Um, aside from just kind of the, um, the, the basic pheno psychedelic phenomenon, how they're, you know, one is, tends to feel more organic mushrooms. Uh, LSD is, I wouldn't say it feels unnatural, um, but it, 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 it didn't have the same power to connect me with nature as much as it connected me with playfulness. So even today, LSD, LSD is like my recreational psychedelic. Mm -hmm. I want to have fun. I'll use some LSD. If I want to like do some serious work, the mushrooms are the mm -hmm. go-to. So I, I don't know that that's the case for everybody. I know there are definitely people who use LSD as a productive working tool. 
Um, and for me, you know, to, to have fun and blow off some steam, that's productive work as well. Uh, and that's kind of the purpose that LSD serves. So yeah, and LSD is a lot easier to control. You know, if you're having okay. a bad trip, it's uh, at least I found it to be okay. much easier to, to redirect a bad trip where psilocybin has a real tendency to put people in loops. Um, mm. and it can be more challenging to get out of those loops with psilocybin. Uh, at least that's my experience in LSD. Mm, that's, that's really interesting and uh, awesome to hear your perspective, having so much experience with psilocybin. Uh, for me, I've always said that um, LSD feels uh, like super digital. It feels like you, you're, when you go into nature, you connect with nature, but like if you're looking at it through an iPad, through a screen, it's like a different vibration. Yeah. I feel like, wow, it's like digital. Then when you take out mm -hmm. mushrooms, uh, when I've been in Mexico having a mushroom ceremony, it feels like earthy. You feel like connected, as you said. So yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing your perspective. Um, so uh, I, I think it would be awesome to talk about a little bit about the event that triggered uh, the whole project you're running in Jamaica. Uh, uh, what happened in 2015 and before that you were you you were growing a mushrooms uh, also for restaurants right like a turkey tail and whatnot like medicinal or like edible like non hallucinogenic uh, mushrooms right correct yeah I had a, uh, a mushroom farm in uh, Indiana magnificent mushrooms was the company name and uh, served a variety of upscale restaurants with uh, 10 or 15 different types of specialty mushrooms. And when I moved out into the country, I had, I had always been growing a little bit of um, so I'd always kind of done that for a while. Farm and was producing a lot of spawn and could grow just endless amounts of mushrooms. Uh, I started producing a lot of psilocybin. Did that mainly for friends still, but it would be on a larger scale. Um, and then that kind of, if, uh, people would come to me and, and say they had issues uh, with, uh, you know, anxiety or depression, whatnot. And um, so I would do sessions with people on my farm in Indiana. And the whole, the, the, the time, while I was doing that, I also had this idea for micro meditations in mind. And I took a couple of really small groups down just to kind of see if it was feasible. Uh, but I, I never, I wouldn't go public with micro meditations because mm -hmm. I was also doing, doing so much psilocybin work in the States. Um, so then we had a session that, um, it, it taught me so much, um, and it ultimately is what led me to be someone that we had known for a couple of years, uh, asked for a session and she came out, uh, and during the session she was obviously having a, a challenging experience. Mm -hmm. um, she, she asked if she could go and lay down in the tent, which was probably 20 feet from the fire. Uh, so I said, that's fine, sure. And she went and laid down the tent. Um, the next thing, maybe 20 minutes later, that I knew uh, her car, you see her taillights blasting down oh, our, wow. <laughs> our, our, our driveway. Um, 
we had we had her keys in our in our house, but she had a spare key magnetized under the bumper of her car. So she basically she crawled through the grass <laughs> in in the shadows to her car, got her key out of up under the bumper, and uh, tried to drive off because she wanted to see her boyfriend. And she got into a small accident. wasn't hurt. But ran out into a ditch. Thank God she wasn't hurt. Um, and she ran off into a ditch. The cops came and got her. And uh, the next day, I, I, I guess under pressure of being charged with um, psilocybin herself, she told the cops when they came that she was on mushrooms. Um, she turned me in. Um, so. A couple of days later, as I was working, cops showed up, uh, raided my farm. Uh, I knew that they were coming, so I had gotten rid of everything except for a, uh, a pound of dried mushrooms that I hid out in my woods for my own personal use. And uh, right at the very end, as they were, you know, they'd searched everything, they had found nothing. At the very end, one of the officers said he just knew that I was growing marijuana out in my woods and he was going to go find it. And so I told him to go ahead because there wasn't any there. Uh, but somehow when he got out there, uh, there was a hollow log where I'd hid my bones and my mushrooms. And so I somehow, I still don't know how, without a dog or anything, uh, they found the mushrooms and the ball and everything in the hollow log. And that was the end of it. So I went to not the end, I guess it was the beginning of a different phase. Uh, so I was arrested that day and uh, was incarcerated for a week. Mm -hmm. They set my bond. They set my bond at sixty thousand dollars. Said I was a cult leader. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I was on house arrest. Ended up being on house arrest for eight weeks, two and a half years of probation, uh, and about fifteen thousand dollars in the hole. Uh, so after I got out of jail and after I uh, got off of house arrest, having now having a felony, I uh, didn't have a lot of options for work. My farm was closed down uh, because I was evicted from the property that I was leasing. And so the only, the only option I saw uh, to using my skills was to go full on uh, with Michael Meditations. And I was working at a little restaurant uh, and kind of going to Jamaica as needed. And in 2017, February 2017, uh, we had two guests here. One was a cancer patient and one was a nonprofit organizer. And after their first experience, they donated a year salary to me so that I could focus strictly on my meditations. Oh, wow. um, and that's what I did. So, you know, so, so much of this project uh, is due not to my efforts, but the support of uh, individuals that believe in, in me and the work. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm so just so grateful to these people who are actually still um, on the advisory board. I have been down several times and have become good friends now. Mm, amazing. Uh, basically, what you just uh, told me, it's like almost worth of a, of a short movie or something uh, that I can't imagine that lady like, <laughs> crawling to her car. I've been, I've been on, on my mushrooms several times and like, I can't imagine driving a car. So no. probably crawling and getting her 
extra spare of keys like uh, uh on the bumper or whatever uh, that's mm-hmm. that's amazing and then even more crazy that they could fa- find a hollow tree with your stash in, uh, the, in just, the forest you know it's like it's like a movie <laughs> yeah i mean honestly i don't i don't know how other to assess this than it was just meant to happen meant, it was to, meant happen. to happen so, mm-hmm. so that i could be here because you know all along when i was doing psilocybin work in the states i would express to my uh now wife then girlfriend um that i deeply wanted to be public with this work because you know i am proud of it it's really it's it's, it's wonderful work that we do uh, we psilocybin helps so many people um and you know, I'm really good at growing mushrooms, and I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good as a, uh, a trip sitter as well. Uh, so, yeah, I just always want to be public. I don't. I don't like doing things in the shadows. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a upfront kind of person. Uh, there's no part of me that wants to be any kind of an outlaw or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, you know, it's just out of a, a sense of obligation to the health and well-being of my community is why I fed mushrooms to so many people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um you mentioned uh your girlfriend back then and now wife how did this uh affected you both when when this happened uh like uh, i guess it was a pretty big hit for you for your family like maybe like you know i, I can see in the states people even shaming like oh you're 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 make you have this cult and you're selling or giving drugs to people how how was that personally it was tough it was tough i uh at the time i had two children um and i now have three uh, they were, you know, one was probably at 12 and one was about six. Um, so, you know, first of all, they saw daddy, uh, walking around with an ankle bracelet. Um, and my 12 year old, I think is still pretty, pretty scarred from all that, uh, because Courtney and I were not married at the time. Uh, and she, mm-hmm. but she, but she, she was living with me, uh, when the arrest occurred, um, she was actually arrested as well. And wow. we were we were forced into separation for the eight weeks that we were on house arrest because we were considered co-conspirators. Oh. Uh, yeah. So uh, for for eight weeks, I had to live on this farm out in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, by myself. Um, my the love of my life was taken away from me. Uh, we could not communicate by phone. I could not communicate with our parents. Uh, I, my lawyer was telling me that her lawyer was trying to turn her on me, um, which is normal in the legal system here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, fortunately, she, she didn't. She is absolutely one of the most upstanding people I've ever encountered, and she owned everything. Uh, she would not allow me to take all of the blame. Uh, and, you know, because of that, she just gained just an enormous amount of respect and our, our lives together have been stronger because of that actually but it, it was tough there's no doubt about it mm-hmm. i can even see that it was like for you it was a test for you and your partner it was like unconditional mm-hmm. trust you know it was like trusting that mm-hmm. it had to happen because the, the the odds of that happening are very small and finding the stash and all those things, you know, it, it meant it almost seems that it was the divine plan created for you. Yeah. So you will step it up and 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 show how proud of your good uh, growing techniques and facilitating techniques, I guess. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit of um, Michael Meditations, the center in Jamaica? 
Uh, well, so the uh, area that we operate out of is Treasure Beach. Uh, it's on the south coast. Uh, it's the same area that I've been coming to all along here. The, the place where I landed is where the place where Michael launched from, actually. Uh, I met a Jamaican elder in the States uh, almost 16 years ago now. Uh, came down here, started visiting him just as a friend when he moved back to Jamaica and just fell in love with the whole family. Uh, so there's a, a, a pro an entire like family property that we work on that's uh, right on the beach. Uh, that's where it started anyway. Things have grown now that we're working from several guest houses, uh, but still that family center is where most of our activities take place. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's just a, it's just a you know a really nice quiet community. Uh, I have a real sense of responsibility to this community to make sure that this project doesn't get out of hand. Um, there have already been individuals who I initially trusted that said they wanted to be part of helping Myco grow, who then came and tried to start their own projects in Treasure Beach. Um, and you know I'm I'm not. It's not. It's not a factor of competition. It's a factor of preserving this community that is still very rural and farming and quiet. Uh, so you know, Myco for me is 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 really more than just psilocybin. In time, and it's and slowly now we're starting to incorporate more aspects of gourmet cultivation and mushrooms as part of the food here. Uh, but you know, my, my hope is that this can be a source of economic well-being for this community, mm -hmm. that it can be a, sor a source of healing for the people who come down here and for the community members itself. We've got Jamaicans who are now interested in consuming psilocybin, uh, which is a, a big leap from their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. the, the reason mushrooms are still legal in Jamaica is because they have been historically so taboo among Jamaicans that uh, nobody ever ate them and they never became any type of a public awareness mm -hmm. uh, issue. Uh, and they were just never made illegal. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, my, my go to me is it's, it's a big project uh, and I've got a lot of, we, the whole team now, it's, it's continuing to grow. We have a lot of visions for the future as far as training people to work with psilocybin as facilitators, just working with the general public who uh, need the, the improvements to their quality of life through psychedelics. Uh, and like I said, improving the kind of economic situation here in this community by higher, higher there okay yeah yeah uh, i'm just gonna take off the video one sec okay awesome yeah so uh so sure. from my understanding so in jamaica it hasn't been illegalized because uh there has been no um no demand or no usage from the locals uh but it's not will it be illegal or is it just uh not on the books or is it legal straight up well there are no regulations around it which okay. is what another factor, another factor that we're trying to help uh, improve here. Okay. As much as as much as I 
love and trust psilocybin, I'm not sure still that this is something that at this point in time needs to be available to anyone and everyone in the public. And mm -hmm. there are certainly individuals who would be, and I have seen be irresponsible with administering or um, maintaining a psilocybin session. So, you know, we really want to try to help make sure that responsible people come here and do this work um, and that we could potentially develop some kind of best practices with the government regulatory agency so that psilocybin doesn't ever become illegal due to misuse or irresponsible use. Mm, okay, thank you. So uh, I'm sure many of our listeners, the audience, uh, might be wondering, uh, who is this for? Like, what kind of uh, what kind of uh, uh, treatment is uh, the psilocybin uh, retreat that you offer uh, convenient for? Who is it designed for? Like, uh, like I know it's like it's a really good uh, way of uh, dealing with depression or PTSD. Uh, could you develop a little bit more? Like, who is this for? Well, we have a really wide range of clients. We have people who come here with crippling depression and overwhelming anxiety. We've had suffering from terminal illness that are coming just kind of trying to do the end of life reconciliation uh, we have people who come and are working on grief issues uh, to, you name it i mean people who are looking to just explore spiritually or metaphysically mm -hmm. um, we don't allow for people who are coming here purely as a recreational experience mm -hmm. uh, you know I am, I am fully supportive of having fun while doing the work, um, but this is not a party. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Right now, actually, right now, right now, right now, we have a group of thirteen therapists. This is a really interesting retreat. Um, oh wow! These are all individuals. Yeah, these are all uh, therapists out of the U.S. and um, they work in the field of contextual science um, and. Uh, Oh gosh, the type of behavior, the type of uh, very specific um, uh, acceptance. Oh gosh, I'm, I'm blanking right now on the mm -hmm. specific form of therapy that they work with, but it's it's really compatible with psychedelic space, um, and it's just been really interesting to be working with so many therapists who have many of them have never consumed psilocybin, uh, and they want to kind of know what to prepare for as legalization potentially occurs in the u.s hmm. well that it's uh, it's super happy to hear that you have uh, professionals uh, uh, venturing into this uh, world of uh, psychedelics and uh, and psilocybin um in fact uh, as many people know that's that's what changed uh the life of timothy larry and yeah. and, and ram das right like it was it was uh it was a, a master tech a trip in in mexico and uh, and ever since then, it, it it allowed them to venture into the depths of uh, consciousness. Uh, what what uh, what uh, people should not be doing uh, psilocybin or you or they can't attend your retreat? Like what what kind of a, a health risk would it impose for some people? Like certain type of depression yeah. or if there are certain meds. Uh, yes, there. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, sorry, I was cutting out. Um, well, we anyone who has been diagnosed uh, as with schizophrenia or is within the um, kind of sensitive age range, the uh, 20s to lower 30s that has a family history of schizophrenia, uh, then we suggest that it is not good for them. Uh, people who are bipolar one, uh, I have absolutely worked with bipolar two clients, uh, but bipolar one who has had any type of psych, you know, severe break, um, we, we suggest that this is not for them as well. Um, the let's see, now, like I said, the party party people, not mm -hmm. not not so much. Um, there are a few other individuals that we have declined based on kind of personality traits, um, not necessarily a diagnosed medical condition. Um, but also by um, uh, personality disorders um, are not a good fit for this. Uh, so people who are, uh, this is a tough one, but narcissistic uh, tendencies, um, people who have uh, just extreme uh, skewed perceptions of sex. Um, sorry, my son's mm -hmm. in the back, playing in the background, kind of distracting me here. Um, but uh, you know, we're we're over overall, we're really open. Uh, we work with people who are on SR, SSRIs. Oh well. Wow. Yeah, there's been an issue. There, there's really no conflict with psilocybin. Um, sometimes we have to up the dose. Uh, the outcomes are a little bit different. Usually, it's not nearly as strong of an experience, but there is still benefit that comes to the individual. So, um, you know, uh, we we work with some pretty difficult mm -hmm. cl clients, um, and that's that's a choice. You know. Mm -hmm. There are, I know there are retreat centers uh, in Holland that say they will not work with people who are severely depressed or have any kind of uh, severe anxiety. Um, and they just, you know, they want to bring in healthy people, uh, which, you know, that's okay. Uh, their skill set's probably not to the level yet to be working with some of these more extreme situations. Uh, mm -hmm. But that, that's, that's really what I, I live for. Um, it, it's just, you know, like last night, we had a just a massive, massive session um, that was just it was it was tough. It was a tough one, mm. um, and I feel so like today. I feel so good after going through all that and just being there. Our team being there, fully supportive of everyone, and really ensuring that things went well. Um, everybody was safe. Everybody was you know came out for the better um but you know this is not this is not work to take lightly mm -hmm, there is a tendency for people, there's a tendency for people to think that mushrooms are you know gentle and easy and safe and, and they are they are very safe but it can be it can be a real real challenge to maintain or contain a situation when it just goes really really off the rails. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know 
that's again, like I said, that's that's what I live I live for and I love and I've got a lot of experience there. But I really want to caution people who just jump into this and think that they should just start feeding people mushrooms. Uh, that that is extremely irresponsible and extremely risky. I know that's what's happening in a lot of these some of these other uh, some of these other retreat centers. I know that there are individuals who are not experienced and they do not understand the breadth of the mushroom experience, and yet they're feeding people psilocybin. And I, I, I just can't express how cautious we should really be with this medicine, not only for the safety of our clients, not only for our own professional reputations, but for the future of psilocybin as an acceptable therapy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just a question. Uh, you mentioned that some of the people, which are not that many that you want uh, uh, attending your retreat are like, uh, like let's say, like at risk, 20 to 30-year-old uh, individuals uh, that have uh, schizophrenia like uh, in their family. Is that because if it hasn't manifested between 20 and 30 years after 30, they're on the safer side of not manifesting? Yes. Okay. Yes. If you haven't had, if you haven't had a, a, a schizophrenic break um, by like 33, 34, then generally it's accepted that you're not expected anyway that you're not going to have one mm. uh, that does that doesn't mean that it's outside of the realm of possibilities yeah. um, but that, that's the medically that's the generally accepted understanding mm. awesome. even cannabis you know, cannabis has had has been shown to elicit um, schizophrenic episodes oh, yeah. people so you know um, while these plants and you know cannabis is one that we consider very safe nothing is without risk yeah everything has a risk yeah um so um for somebody that's listening to this and they're okay um maybe yeah i i could be interested in in participating one of these retreats what would it be like Uh, how long is usually a regular retreat i guess you have customized retreats but like what's a regular retreat and what's the day in the life of a retreatee uh, well, so we come in, everybody flies into Montego Bay, we meet them at the airport, we uh, get them down to Treasure Beach on our, uh, on our bus, uh, well, uh, the, the company that we work with, Treasure Tours, they bring them down with us. And uh, so the first night, everybody just gets in and gets settled, gets some sleep, got people coming from all over the world, a lot of different time zones, so just, try to, just try to get rested and recovered uh, from the travel. Uh, people who come in from vastly different time zones, we really strongly suggest they stay in Montego Bay. Uh, for a day or two to just kind of adjust a little bit more. Um, the first full day, we start in with a uh, kind of education and prep course for uh, the mushroom experience. Uh, we have a lot of people who come here with no psychedelic experience, which mm-hmm. is really a great, a great honor and a great pleasure to, to introduce these people to psilocybin. Um, so we'll spend a couple of hours the first day just uh, going over the history, the safety, uh, the, the possible uh, effects, uh, just to kind of try to prepare people, like I said, for what something that's almost impossible to be, to be prepared for. Um, and then that first night, we do a dosing of um, a half to three grams. Uh, we just cap it at three grams that first night to just kind of check what everybody's baseline response is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that following morning after the first dose, we have an integration circle. Uh, we talk about the intensity, we talk about the outcomes, and, and then kind of look to where uh, the individuals want to go next with their follow-up dose um, that 
happens on the third full day. Um, so basically it's just a kind of a, a copy and paste of each day, each morning, uh, we have a preparation integration session. Mm -hmm. uh, and then every other day we dose, we do three doses within a week's time. Um, and then, uh, in between there, we'll have scheduled some activities. The group went to uh, the waterfall today to go and just kind of enjoy that scenery. And then there's a few other outings that we, uh, you know, line up for people if they are so inclined to just get a little bit of a taste of Jamaica. We'll go out to a few different restaurants and uh, have group meals there. And, mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, it, there's, there's so much time and energy that goes into discussing the experience um and integrating the experience and then having the experiences uh that it makes for a pretty full week honestly i bet yeah mm, and um uh just uh for the sake of uh, i'm always curious about the since you live in jamaica have you have you have you uh encountered any of the local strains have you used them personally uh for yourself or uh, could you develop a little bit on this Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I've picked uh, quite a bit of wild cubensis here. Uh, when I started here, that's majority, majority what I what we used was wild uh, until I got a lab set up down here and uh, started training some some help with cultivation and uh, and became more more living here uh, than I was. So. Uh, the difference, you know, wild cubensis are generally not as potent as cultivated because you can adjust the substrate mix, which has an, an impact on potency. You can limit the exposure to UV rays, which has an impact on potency. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there is quite a bit of wild cubensis and there's mm -hmm. probably more now since we're cultivating and shooting, you know, spreading spores all through the area. <laughs> That's the basic uh, but thing, it, the love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But every, everything that we work with now is strictly cultivated. We've got uh, three different strains that we're working with currently. Um, like I said, we've got our, our own a little lab where we're doing tissue culturing and um, strain selection, uh, creating our own spawn and, and all that. And we've got Jamaicans that we've been training in cultivation, uh, which is really, really outstanding. And I, I, just, I just love seeing these people engage with new ideas and, and finding their own techniques and ways you know it's uh it's, it's been really really wonderful mm, amazing uh i'm curious uh because you work with jamaicans you're in jamaica uh i'm pretty sure you facilitated um uh sessions for jamaicans maybe for your own workers or team um mm -hmm. have you seen uh, any like different response between uh westerners to, uh, like white people from the u.s or the rest of the world and and Jamaicans, because I, I find that with medicine, it's, very, it's also very cultural, the way they interact mm -hmm. with the medicine. Maybe they're more connected with nature, so it's not such a big uh, shift in certain aspects. Wow, I have not really thought about this much. That's a great question. Um, well, connected with nature, you know, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny that there are still a lot of Jamaicans who homebound and they, they don't like go a lot of Jamaicans don't swim in the ocean um, a lot of Jamaicans don't go to the mountains so oh, wow. um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that they're naturally necessarily more connected to nature um, mm -hmm. because because several of the Jamaicans who have consumed psilocybin with us have said 
wow, I need to spend more time in nature. <laughs> Missing. <laughs> the, same, the same realization. And Jamaica, while Jamaica is a very Africanized country, it's also a very Western country as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, political, political framework. Um, the, the, the biggest difference in Jamaica is that it is so community-based. And okay. that is probably, I, I would say if I had to really think uh, where's the biggest difference is that most Westerners, when they come to this experience and they have this experience in a group, they realize how sorely missing we are of community. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. In America, it's just like heads down, nobody acknowledges each other. You can stand at a bus stop for 30 minutes, nobody will say anything to each other. In Jamaica, it doesn't matter who you are. Some people are going to acknowledge you and, and respect you. Uh, so there's, it seems like that because that sense of community is already so strong with the Jamaicans that, that, that the outcome of their psychedelic experience isn't one that is like impulsing them to engage more with the community. They already are. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I had, the, the nature, the reconnecting with nature is something I've definitely seen in our staff that has been consuming mushrooms, uh, which is a surprise to me. You know, I was like talking to some of the guests yesterday. It's, it's so funny. Like in Jamaica, you've got all these fruits all over the place, just amazing fruit all over the place. And they sell soda and sugar water <laughs> and call it juice. Like yeah, they, yeah. Literally call, they literally say call it juice uh so there there they're here there there has been a real disconnect from authentic nature mm-hmm. in, in Jamaica. you know there's a lot of t- the tourism here i think contributes to that uh, so i don't know it's it's a, it's a really interesting mm. thing so, yeah, I'm, I'm always so curious about what happens uh, wh- when different cultures interact with uh, plant medicine, because I guess plant medicine connects us all and more even fungi, because it's, it's the biggest living organism in the world. So, um, so uh, out of, um, you know, I'm always, I love mushrooms. Uh, they also were a catalyst in my own awakening and path. Um, uh, what's, what's the biggest dose you've done yourself? 10, 10 grams. 10, 10 grams. Uh, okay. uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not an extremist. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely believe that there is a point of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. Um, DMT proves that to me. You know, as many times as I've, as I've smoked DMT, I can only think of one time in particular that I've had any kind of real big takeaway because it was just so much. It's just you're blasted out so mm-hmm. far so overwhelming and even the to the 10 actually i I did a 12 gram one time long ago but and and it's just like it's just so much uh Mm -hmm. that there's not a lot of bring back Mm -hmm. and while while i know that good things are happening um i really want to be able to assess my experience and not just come away with a what the fuck just happened you know Mm -hmm. i want i want to be able to have some kind of understanding of it Mm -hmm be able to apply it to my life mm-hmm. makes sense makes sense uh, speaking of dmt have you have you uh tried uh the toad medicine bufo or 5-meo dmt i have not i've never had the uh, opportunity to i've tried i've had the nm dmt mm-hmm. multiple multiple times mm-hmm. 
I'm interested in Bufo. It's not anything that I am I'm super inclined towards. Um, I've seen some kind of problematic behavior come out of the excessive um, all DMT use, uh, both Bufo and NM. Um, so while you know it's a very interesting tool, uh, and I'm, I'm not sure that it's most effective when smoked. Um, Ayahuasca obviously has a very long history uh, and is very effective. Personally, ayahuasca is something that I've never been drawn to. Mm. Uh, I it, It's never, the opportunity has never presented itself. I've never been inclined to seek it out. Um, mushrooms have just been my, my ally for yeah, my, yeah. The, the better part of 20 years now. Mm. You know, I, I want to, I want to be an expert, not, just in psychedelics. I want to be an expert in psilocybin. Mm -hmm. I want to know this as well as I possibly can. I want to help as many people as I can with that. And staying focused on psilocybin has really been a benefit to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so you know, I'm sure. I'm sure at some point ayahuasca will come into my life, um, but I'm not rushing it, and I don't feel any need to. Mm, yeah yeah awesome yeah well anyways one day if we end up meeting which i'm sure i will because i, I definitely want to partake in one of your retreats uh i'll be happy to share with you uh the toad medicine it's it's amazing it's pure love and it's uh it's it's wonderful but i definitely understand your perspective regarding the integration part with psilocybin and it's really awesome to meet somebody that as you said at the beginning you're proud of what you do you don't want to be uh, in the shadow, you're, you want to be in the forefront and, uh, and uh, you consider that you don't only want to be an expert in psychedelics, but you want to be an expert in your craft, with his, which is psilocybin. It's, it's amazing and uh, lots of respect for that. Um, Thanks. Uh, mm -hmm, tell me. Well, I was, I was just going to say, you know, with your podcast and kind of what you've told me of your audience, um, you know, this, this element of being proud of our work, uh, or mm -hmm. at minimum, not, not being ashamed of our work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I have through the years, um, tried to assist with the, um, public helping change the public perspective on psilocybin. Um, I have felt, it seems like the most important thing that we can do is, be completely open with our work. So uh, as these urbanites are, 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 are working with this medicine, and to some degree it has to be done uh, clandestinely, uh, but just as with the gay rights movement, the civil rights movement, the women's suffrage movement, psychedelics, I believe, are absolutely a civil rights issue. Yeah, and yeah. We need to stand up and demand just like the gay population did just like the black population did just like the women did we need to stand up and demand we have the right to use these medicines in a safe and respectful mm -hmm. way they have mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of years of historical use we know psilocybin in particular is the safest drug in regards to toxo toxicology period uh, so there is no justification in this healing potential being suppressed. Mm -hmm. It's it's up to us to speak up and demand that it becomes accessible. 
Oh yeah, definitely. And that's, and that's, uh, as you mentioned, that's the whole purpose of, of the podcast. I, I want people like you awesome human beings that decided to take their high path. They, they decided not to, to stay underground, which I, I believe uh, many of us have been way too long underground and even people before us, uh, because this is something it's, it's a, it's a right. And Timothy Leary was fighting for it. Uh, uh, we can uh, argue certain ways of certain people, but he was arguing that, uh, we have the right to do whatever we want with our own consciousness, and even more mm. so when it comes from Earth. You know, it's, it's it hasn't been uh, changed or chemically altered, and it, that's what uh, uh, creation provided for us. If we can eat a banana, we should be able to to eat our own magic mushrooms. And um, uh, uh, regarding um, the U.S., I, I recently read uh, a Vice News, which you know, Vice, you can trust it or not, but. Uh -huh. Uh, the, it said that uh, Denver and Oregon are getting closer to decriminalization of magic mushrooms. Uh, do you have any idea what this could uh, entail? Or is, uh, do you have, because you're super into the movement, so do you know if we're even close or scratching the surface of, of having psilocybin used uh, for maybe medical or like treatment in the U.S.? I think we're definitely getting closer. Um, Oregon seems to be the furthest along. Um, I've been really impressed with their campaign. Um, the thing that out in California that started, they, they tried to push through legalization in California and it just was, it was just not done properly. They treated it like a, a party thing. The guy who was spearheading the movement was talking about, you know, alien communication and all this stuff that's just not, not going to be publicly, accept, publicly acceptable. Yeah. Um, I question some of the, the way that it's unfolding in the corporate sense. Um, I'm, I'm a little concerned with how that's going to go, and I'm concerned with who is going to be allowed access to the medicine and access to um, or, or will be allowed to administer the medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, even like the therapist that I'm working with here, uh, and I have worked with many therapists that come down, um, they have said to me, this is not, this is not for us. Like we, we, we are not trained to administer this. We don't, this, this is not our work. And I, and I do believe that psilocybin is not really in the therapist office is not where it's best consumed. The, ther the therapists are, can be very helpful to preparing and integrating mm -hmm. for the experiences. Um, but when it comes to actually administering the medicine, my belief is that you better be working with someone who has vast amounts of experience working with psilocybin themselves. Mm -hmm. So we've got all of you, we've got so many of these therapists and clinicians that are going to be administering psilocybin, but have little to no experience themselves with it. Uh, and, you know, like our, the incident that, that, that we had last night, the session that we had last night, um, if it, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm definitely not trying to like boast or, or put myself in any kind of position, but there were seasoned therapists that had no clue on how to <laughs> situation. Yeah. So I this, this is something that really takes years and years and years of intense practice before mm -hmm. even starting to try and feed feed it to other people. You know? 
And um, I guess um, you, you actually uh, touched a point I wanted to, that has been coming to my mind while we've been having this interview. Like I know that Stan Groff or like uh, uh, Ralph Metzer or Timothy, uh, they were all conducting um, LSD experiments. Stan Groff, uh, I was listening to an interview. I think he did more than 4,500 assisted LSD uh, psychotherapy uh, experience. But I, I was trying to see like, could you do that in the same setting with mushrooms, like blindfolded in a bed in a hospital room? I think it it could be horrible. So yeah, I think uh, it's uh, it's uh, it sounds horrible to me. It absolutely yeah, I, could, I could not picture myself being there. Yeah. I could probably get paranoid or whatever. Well, you know they don't talk about this a lot, but uh, and it's it's hard to find the information on it. But it is one hundred percent factual that in the Johns Hopkins studies and some of the studies out in Arizona. Um, with Strassman when they were first doing these clinical uh, uh, experiments that people broke restraints, ran out into the street, broke out of the, the uh, clinic and um, because they got paranoid or, or, you know, whatever, frightened and ran. Um, so that's, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm really interesting, interested in having our follow-up, our integration um, with the uh, the, the group that's here right now, you know, after having experience that we had last night and seeing how how big it can be, how these therapists can even conceive of bringing psilocybin into a you know standard kind of clinical setting. It just mm-hmm. I just don't think it's a good fit. Um, I think that we need centers that are based in nature. Uh, can be outdoors and connect with nature. They need to be working with people who have extensive experience consuming psilocybin um, at you know moderate to high doses, uh, and you know staying as far away from the locks and mm-hmm. the rest of the lights as possible. Yeah, sounds, I, I keep getting this image like in a room with a dark. Uh, I don't know, like a neon light and i'm like oh my god that, that could be that could be horrible um yeah so, and, then, and then you know you got you got one person tripping on a couch and two people <laughs> who are sober there with them like that's like that is a, a recipe for paranoia oh yeah so for I, sure <laughs> um i'm thinking um maybe like you were explaining about the group you have and your uh, and the interest you have of um, how could integration look like uh, afterwards like, I think it, it comes down to all, like, taking away our labels, our degrees, our PhDs, our white robes or whatever, and knowing that, yeah, maybe you are a, an amazing psychotherapist, but you should let an expert such as yourself or any other expert that is out there with their own plant medicine or their own craft deal with that, and they should prepare the prep and the integration process afterwards. Because I think, as you were saying, what could happen if it gets legalized or admitted as a medical uh, way of treating people, it could be that they give all that power to certain people that have degrees and they have all these flashy badges. And um, uh, But it will happen like what happens with LSD. It, there will be like doctors or psychiatrists giving medicine when they haven't even taken themselves the medicine asking the the wrong questions i guess absolutely absolutely and i mean i think that is a major topic of concern that needs to be addressed before we start just turning these medicines loose with therapists or mds 
Mm-hmm. You know, like a med- medical doctors are some of the people who are going to be allowed to administer or prescribe psilocybin. Like, I have, I have <laughs> so, so many medical doctors that have come down here and are just like, what the fuck is this stuff? What is this? Huh. You know? Like, like, and, and so it just takes, it takes years to begin even wrapping your head around oh, yeah. some experiences. Yeah, I, I definitely see it when I, when uh, in my retreats that I host, uh, uh, I've had uh, enough doctors, psychiatrists, or psychologists come and do uh, do the the bufo medicine, the toad medicine, and their whole world shatters. They're like, there you go, twenty years, thirty years of experience uh, down the toilet, basically. Now I can <laughs> I have to I have to either restudy or rethink my future because everything is different, you know. So I think even before. Yeah. Take even before the people that take the decisions to make it legal or not, they should take numerous do, uh, doses or or retreats to be able to see what they're dealing with. Because I think it's it's a common problem. Everybody's trying to to rule in their own way without even knowing what they have in their hands. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's there is so much ego right now around who's going to be the psychedelic administrators and like you, you can see this all over like in social media people that are you know either in on the scene or trying to get in on the scene and they're like bashing other people and like talking about how good they are and it's just like like if you have that kind of an ego you do not need to be administering psychedelics <laughs> to anybody. yeah you need another dose yourself i guess <laughs> yeah 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 absolutely um no. um Something that is becoming very uh, popular now that like I, I get I, I was actually interviewed in in another podcast uh, yesterday and I'm seeing it all over the place. It's microdosing and psilocybin is for what I know it's 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 one of the biggest and and the best things you can you can uh, microdose on. I haven't tried microdosing. I'm I'm like really interested to see what will happen because I work with people with depression and after the retreat, everything's good, but I know they need some support. Do you, do you have some words regarding microdosing and uh, psilocybin? Uh, yeah. Um, well, so, you know, when we talk about a, um, what is considered a microdose, mm-hmm. that's a one, what is it? A hundredth of an, of an active dose or a tenth of an active dose. It's a one hundredth of an active dose. In LSD, is usually like a tenth or a fifteenth part. So I don't know how much would uh-huh. psilocybin. Oh, so yeah. So if there's a, if there's a hundred micrograms yeah. and you're taking a tenth, and that's a, a ten mics, right? Yeah. So like psilocybin, if you're taking, you know, you you can start to feel the effects of psilocybin on you know like a gram, a gram and a half. Most people can feel some effect, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you do a tenth of a gram, right, you're like one tenth of a gram of psilocybin, I feel like that is much more likely a potential for placebo effect than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now, if people are taking a tenth of a gram and they feel like they're getting benefit from it, then I say go and keep it up. You know, whatever is whatever is helping you, and even if it's just a placebo, who cares? As long as you're as long as you're feeling better. As long as you're getting relief, then it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Where I think that that it gets really interesting is when we start talking about doing like a half, three quarters, one gram, maybe, <laughs> and then working on creative ideas and creative projects. 
Um, because, you know, like I, I have one instance in mind, and I, I have microdosed for years before people even, I never even knew it was microdosing. I was just growing mushrooms and would nibble on a cap or whatever. You know, <laughs> I just with the mushrooms. And it was just, you know, just a little bit, nothing I could feel. I just wanted to taste them and be with them. Um, but I've had multiple experiences where a half a gram, I would take a half a gram and go to a lecture or go to uh, some kind of interactive workshop. And, you know, I can function perfectly well on a half a gram. And I, and I actually function maybe just a little bit better. And I'm just a little bit more attentive and pick up on the smaller things. So, and, but that's not a microdose, right? That's, that's kind of where I'm going with this is that we're talking, we're talking about microdosing. And a lot of people say, oh, I, I'm over, I microdose, I take a half a gram. Well, that's not really <laughs> that's not microdose, yeah. A microdose, right? Um, so, you know, again, my, my, I, I do believe that the real payoff with psilocybin is in the moderate to higher doses. Um, the low doses can be very helpful, but when you're looking at long-term personality change and improvement, research experience shows that that powerful mystical experience is what brings on the most profound long-term change so that's where i think the real value of psychedelics are and i have you know some of these people there's 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 people who are uh, you know leading retreats who have nothing but microdosing experience right <laughs> like you, you you can't you cannot find believe yourself to be competent feeding people six, eight grams of mushrooms when you are just like, just microdose. Mm -hmm. You don't have any experience in that yourself. So, so like, I, I think there's a real potential for the microdosing thing to be this kind of egoic, you know, I'm cool, I do psychedelics, but I'm not really taking any risks, you know? I mean, Terrence McKenna talked about this even back in the 80s for microdosing was really a thing. He was, he was talking about how people would consume just enough psilocybin so that they could be in the cool club and say that they use psychedelics. So it's just, it's just a potential, a potentially slippery slope. Mm -hmm. But like I said, if somebody's getting, if somebody perceives that they're getting benefit from it, then I say, go with it. We know it's not toxic. We know it's not going to hurt you. Um, and it, it also helps to slowly raise the public profile of psilocybin and other psychedelics, right? Making them more acceptable. So that's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, from your years of experience, uh, what, which one, which has been your uh, most uh, dramatic or your, or your most impactful session that you've led? Like, do you have a, like a, a cool anecdote or like something oh, very wow. strong that you experienced? Wow. Um, well, in the last three years I have, I have held um, around 150 sessions in the last three years, um, and there have been so many, so many amazing. Last last night we had this just like this this healing. There's a, a gentleman here, a therapist here, who um, just is going through a, a divorce after you know, a 30 year marriage, and um, he was in this place of just feeling so broken and alone and myself and two other individuals, two other men sat with him last night as he was going uh, through this kind of peak. And um, 
God, it was so amazing as we all sat there and he was, he was crying and, you know, talking and saying he was, felt so alone, felt so alone. And as we, we all sat there and this kind of just energy just built around us and through us. And, um, it just like turned into this kind of chanting, um, just, I don't even know. It was beyond words the way that this energy moved. And, and it was, it was literally like we were midwives giving birth to, to this new self. And this guy just like, I mean, it was, it was just phenomenal. So, and, and I, I mean, Jose, I've seen just hundreds of those kinds of experiences right now. And I could go back through so many, but you know, when you talk about dosing and the highest dose, and all this, you know, still to this day, after how many doses I've taken a six gram solo trip that I had in the hills of Indiana was still the most powerful and most impactful trip of my experience. Mm. So, you know, it's, there, there is so much to be said about the set and setting affecting the experience rather than the dose. You know, we, yeah. we tend to put a lot of, a lot of focus on, Oh, how much, how many mushrooms do you eat? You know? And for somebody that is really ready and open to diving in deeply and getting everything that they can out of the experience, four grams can be plenty. Five, six grams can be plenty. Right. We don't have to be like taking these just, like ridiculously high doses and, and pushing our boundaries and trying to prove that we're some kind of psychedelic superheroes. Mm-hmm. You know? I guess that's, really? the, that, that's the male approach, I guess, you know, like the male perspective. Oh, I have uh, this hero's dose or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, we, we absolutely see that here. We, we make jokes about it. You know how the guys get into this psychedelic pissing contest of who can eat the most mushrooms and the women are generally like, just like, Come on, let's just be sensible here. Give me, give me five grams. Give me. Hello. <laughs> oh, um, um, so, um, have you, you know, uh, Soma? They speak about it in the the Indian uh, Rig Veda uh, text. Uh, have you uh, tried the uh, the Manita Muscaria? Like, have you uh, done some ceremonies yourself with that kind of a strain? No, uh, absolutely have, um, and. I uh, wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but I also wouldn't necessarily discourage discourage it either. Um, I have consumed Amanita fresh. Do not do that. Do not consume fresh Amanita muscaria. Um, I have consumed it dry, which is uh, you know, more likely to have a positive experience. Um, and then I, I have a friend who uh, is an MD in the States, and uh, through years of study, of the Rig Veda and other traditions around Amanita muscaria, he developed a uh, patented process for um, making basically a tincture out of Amanita muscaria that has none of the negative um, mm-hmm. side effects and all of the positive, and and that is amazing. Oh wow! Um, and to to you to to use Amanita with psilocybin is just it's it's like they were made to work together it is really really a powerful and amazing experience that i used to partake in um much more uh the amanita takes 
Yeah, generally about two hours before it really starts coming on solid and getting into the peak zone. So we would, so we would take the amanita and right as it was peaking, uh, we would take psilocybin and uh, they just complemented each other so well, so, oh, wow. so Maybe that was the, the missing recipe that we were that uh, most people didn't know when consuming amanita because there's the, this whole mystery about soma, the drink of the gods. And uh, but many people have written experience of uh, not experiencing anything or getting poisoned because they ate them fresh. And maybe they were missing that uh, combo, like the amanita psilocybin combo. Well, I think I I, I really truly believe that um, this friend of mine. Um, has in some way gotten close to someone, mm. um, you know, by studying the history. Um, and he, it's, it's like he basically created a line. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a tincture, it's a fermented tincture uh, out of the amanita that is basically like a wine. And it is really interesting how the he brought this up, you know, how this wine of Soma and then the caps of, of psilocybin cubensis um, are so much like the Catholic rituals of the blood of Christ and the, the flesh of Christ mm -hmm. um, that I, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like that there is, there, there possibly is some tie-in there. You know, there are, um, John Allegro uh, and other scholars have reported that um, the Essenes and the Dead Sea Scrolls uh, were actually a, a psychedelic mushroom um, cult or religion, mm -hmm. and that you know they consumed some kinds of mushrooms um, for their spiritual practices, and then so like in the Catholic tradition, we see this you know blood or wine and bread uh, that when consumed together are supposed to be this like transcendental mystical experience mm -hmm. well, i was raised catholic i was raised catholic i drank the wine i ate the communion i never even got a buzz i never <laughs> ate, you know. but with the mushroom the amanita and psilocybin it it just was everything that i've ever expected out of that kind of mystical mushroom experience. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can you can get you can get there with psilocybin as well, but the combination of these two was really something phenomenal. And I, I'm kind of bemoan often that I don't get to work with those two plants together, uh, just because he's not he's not manufacturing the amanita extract anymore, and I don't have the time or the um, the mushroom resources to do it. It takes a lot of plant matter to make just a little bit of Mm -hmm. There's um funny that you mentioned about uh, Christianity and all this uh, related with the mushrooms because uh, I was reading the, uh, not too long ago a book called The Psychedelic Gospel by Jerry B. Uh -huh. Brown. And, uh, uh -huh. and, they, and they speak about uh, like this church in Scotland, I believe, and there's uh, this uh, like uh, dwarf with a with mushroom head, really. And I can totally see uh, Jesus with a uh, with the 12 apostles having a, a, um, a sacred mushroom experience, you know, that will explain many things that I was also born Catholic and that I've never been able to get from going to church. I think we're missing a, the, the special 
um, gist or the special uh, recipe for to really mm. experience instead of only knowing about God, you know? Um, Completely. Uh, maybe um, to uh, finish, uh, um, from your experience and everything you've gone through, which is, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, almost we could do a small movie from how you got uh, raided and, and then you end up in Jamaica. Um, what advice would you give yourself 20 years ago? <laughs> wow. Move to Jamaica sooner. <laughs> <laughs> because now you know what you know, but 20 years ago, uh, uh, move to Jamaica earlier. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be one thing maybe. Um, wow. What kind of advice would I give myself? Because you also else. work with, you facilitate 150 sessions and you work with psychiatrists and whatever. So now you're getting to know a little bit that common thread of the problems that we as humans experience with in the end is a perspective issue or whatever. But what would you tell yourself? Oh man, I would tell myself to trust the mushroom more. <laughs> that, that has been, you know, we, we, Oh gosh, after so many times going so deep with this thing. Um, it, it, it is a relationship that we have to build and relationships are founded on trust. And there, you know, I probably wasted about five years not fully trusting the mushroom. Mm. And, and now that I do fully trust the mushroom and trust the process, um, then that allows me to be more flexible and more effective in the mushroom space, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, for me, I just want to be better. I want to be better at assisting in mushroom space. And that would be the most solid advice that I could give myself to help me perform better. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. And I, and I think even even there, like you know, when we talk about the the risks of people feeding psilocybin to others, um, if you don't have that trust, and I've seen this, I've seen multiple times when individuals who are have have given mushrooms, the responsible parties themselves do not trust the mushroom. Mm -hmm. That is, that's when paranoia sets in. That's when the smallest little heightened adrenaline spike can, can just send the entire thing, especially if it is the responsible individual. If the person who is in charge has any type of adrenaline rush or fear or paranoia, that can be a disaster for everybody there. Mm -hmm, I, bet, um, so. I bet yeah yeah well as you were saying it's it's a it's a heightened state of awareness or a non-ordinary state of uh, reality like uh, stan groff will call it and if if the facilitator has any slight doubt he will probably uh, impregnate and spread that fear to everybody else starting from themselves that's uh, that's an amazing uh uh, it's it's like we started the interview trust uh, trust it's, it's it keeps coming up with different guests it's like trust trust your gift trust your passion but before trusting that maybe you have to do that that work that you started doing when you had your first psilocybin experience 19 when you were 19 years old 
Um, yeah, you, I, I feel like you have to go through these um, just terrifying, challenging experiences and come out the other side over and over again mm-hmm. and so, to, to know that it is trustworthy, that the process is trustworthy. Mm. Um, would, you, uh, would you want to share something else, give uh, some advice to maybe our audience, our listeners, uh, something else you want to share? Um, well, you know, I, I just, I just hope that we, as psilocybin becomes legal and clinical and manufactured pharmaceutical, I hope that we still stay connected with the actual plant, with the Mm -hmm. mushrooms themselves. Um, I do feel very strongly that the plants, uh, the fungi are conscious and that they have a lot to teach us by engaging with them, not just consuming them, but cultivating them, observing them, participating with them as an ecological, biological entity. I truly feel that this is a partnership. And I would just, if, if anything, I would just encourage listeners to really understand that this is not just some chemical, phenomenological experience, that this is uh, a, a, a partnership that we engage with and that the, the mushroom is, the, the, the organism is a very, very powerful and helpful ally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that the more we trust it, and the more we will be entrusted ourselves. Mm. Beautiful. Um, uh, I would like to acknowledge uh, the, all the work you've done uh, and um, the passion I can, I can sense uh, from listening to your story, from knowing what you, your wife, your team are doing from Jamaica uh, by promoting sustainable economy and uh, community within uh, your location and allowing anywhere from MDs to uh, anybody in the world wanting to discover and, and heal themselves and, and awaken by providing such a valuable service to the community and, and honestly for being, being a, a master in your craft and loving what you do because I believe that if everybody would follow that call to love what they do, not be afraid, not be shy and be proud and walk with their chest uh, up and their head up uh the world will definitely be a better place so thank you very much eric uh, it's been a pleasure and i really can't wait for me to be able to visit uh, jamaica maybe eat the fruits that the locals are not eating and uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I, i'm from mexico originally and i see it all the time they're buying canned uh, del monte fruits and the mangoes yeah. are falling to the floor so yeah it's, it's a common problem around the world But yeah, um, I'm excited to visit your, your retreat center. And if anybody wants to get in contact with you, they, they have to visit your we- website, which is mycomeditations.com. And, um, and they can get some information, reach out to your team uh, for what I've uh, learned and everything. It sounds that uh, you guys provide a solid and trustworthy uh, place to retreat and to learn and to grow. Thank you very much, Eric. Thank you, Jose.